Welcome back to Kindly Gifted Season 4. I am so excited to have you along for the ride. No matter how it is that you tell your story, whether it's through your personality and influence or through your business and products, you have me in your pocket as your creative director on Speed Dial. Season four is filled with even more deep dives of how our favorite brands have built their success, how our favorite public figures and people of influence have built their personal brands, and also more insight from incredible guest experts to join me in having these powerful discussions. So thank you so much for continuing to tune in and supporting the show. And let's get into this episode, shall we? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Thank you so much for taking this show to 16,000 plus streams in just a short period of time. I am forever grateful. Our next goal for Kindly Gifted is to dominate these motherfucking charts. And for that, I need your help. If you could do me a quick favor and click follow or subscribe on the platform that you're listening on and drop a quick rating of what you think of the show, that would greatly help us climb the charts because transparently speaking, that's the only way that we can do it. I need you to click follow, click subscribe, and again, drop a quick rating of what you think of the show. And let's get us to number one. Thank you again so much and tune into the episode. One of the biggest questions I get, which I will answer using the Starbucks example, is what is something I think people overlook the most when it comes to marketing? And my first answer every time, every time, strategy. And the reason I say that is because I see like way too many agencies passing off cute graphics or like glorified social media management or, oh my God, let's do a pop-up as like a packaged marketing strategy. And that's not it. (laughs) Those are really fun deliverables, but those things alone won't sell shit. Um, A marketing strategy is its own deliverable. And that then informs how you execute said strategy through various distribution channels of your choice, whatever applies best to your brand, whatever you think is, is going to make you sales. Um, whatever is already performing really well, whatever's underperforming, and we want to elevate that from a sales perspective. Um, and those can, things can include, you know, social, PR, email, SMS, influencers, web, experiences, activation, CGM. We could go on and on. There's so many different distribution channels um, where really fun, unique deliverables can then be injected and executed. Um But a marketing strategy in essence is how you plan on taking up market share. And each marketing strategy has KPIs, key performance indicators, which are data points tracking things like brand awareness, recognition, customer acquisition, retention, et cetera. And there are expectations that a financial return will be made. This is usually where I see if anybody is like resistant to marketing efforts, it's because 
whoever they were working with in the past did not deliver a strategy or did not deliver um, executions in line with an existing strategy, which I will very much illustrate using Starbucks. I think they have a really great marketing strategy. So we'll dive into that very, very shortly. But remember, you're not marketing something unless you want to sell it. Like marketing and sales, they're besties for life. Gang, gang. Okay. <laughs> so for example, if you were to say like, oh, you know, let's do a pop-up for Glossier, like that would be fun. It's not just fun. It's Glossier wants to enter retail, which they have now, right? They have permanent stores now. Glossier wants to enter retail. Risky move. We have a cult following. We have a cult community, but we're not 100% sure that like retail may be the right way to go. How can we test that out? Let's do a pop-up. Let's do pop-ups around the country. And then that evolves into, okay, let's put down stores in these particular locations based on performance within the pop-ups or where most of your audience is like located. Or maybe there's an underrepresented location that has a ton of Glossier um, customers. So having a store there would make a lot of sense. That's all, like, that's an example, for instance, of how you create a fun, exciting deliverable, aka a pop-up, because of data-backed and research-driven strategy. So as always, all of this is really best executed using like examples <laughs> because the marketing jargon can get confusing. And honestly, half the time I'm like, you know, you use these words so much, they sometimes end up losing meaning. So let's dive into Starbucks. Okay. Starbucks was born in 1971 in Seattle, Washington, and they started its journey actually by selling coffee beans, which I've always thought was interesting that they sell coffee beans in the store. I'm like, what is that just because like they're a coffee shop? And then I started doing research and I was like, no, that's literally how they started their journey. It wasn't like we're doing a coffee shop chain. So then we're going to extend into selling coffee beans. It was the complete reversal, which I think is pretty cool. But anyways, now with their premium priced coffee and food items, Starbucks dominates the retail coffee snack joint market with a market share of 35%. Starbucks holds 35% alone, okay? They're competing in this market with Dunkin' Brands, which holds 23.6% market share, and others like McDonald's, Costa Coffee, Tim Hortons, all sharing the remaining 41.4% of the market share. Like, that's pretty fucking wild. Um, Starbucks was bought from its co-founders in 1987 by Howard Schultz, who is the current CEO. I believe he has stepped down in the past. And I think most recently he stepped down in 2023. I'm not entirely sure if he's like the current CEO, but regardless, we'll just roll with it. So Howard Schultz bought Starbucks from its co-founders in 1987. And then he decided to turn Starbucks into what he called a third place. In essence, um, a third place is, that, is something that's like a go-to spot between work and home. That's the idea of the third place. That's the idea that Starbucks embodies. It's a place of comfort. It's a place of solace. And taking this from their website, it inspires and nurtures the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. 
And it's this positioning, it's this strategy of positioning Starbucks as a third place that essentially birthed like the current Starbucks brand, which is worth $3.59 billion. Like this is where that was born. Okay. So the ethos is established. Now it's time for Starbucks to find the right customer. And according to their research from 2017, Starbucks had found that their target market is actually middle-aged people with higher purchasing power. Notice their target is not necessarily the same as their customer base, or it's not their only customer base, because Starbucks does obviously have multi-generational customer bases with a variety, varying degree of purchasing power. But regardless, um, their target is middle-aged people with higher purchasing power. So here's where the marketing comes into play to solve the following problem, because the whole goal of marketing, like I say, literally in almost every single episode, the whole point is to solve business problems. It's just not, it's not just a fun, sexy thing to do. The whole purpose is to solve business problems. So the problem that we're solving here with, with Starbucks, um, using marketing is how do we get people to come to Starbucks as opposed to brewing their coffee at home or moving closer to a more affordable coffee house. And to answer that, Starbucks's marketing strategy focuses on the four P's. Product, price, promotion, place. Four P's of their marketing strategy. First one is product. And that is ultimately centered around the fact that Starbucks sells craft drinks. They provide an extensive customization process, right? You can choose a variety of different milks and sweeteners and flavors and whatever. They have prestige packaging. The the cups in in and of themselves are status symbols, basically, right? And they have an elevated service experience to differentiate from its competitors. Now, you could play devil's advocate and be like, really, is spelling my name wrong on a cup and elevated service experience? Good point. However, at this point, I also have a theory that that is now part of their marketing strategy. Like, I would not be surprised, and any Starbucks employees, like, or former Starbucks employees chime in, but I would not be surprised if they train their employees to misspell names because at the end of the day, people take pictures with these cups, right? And if you spell their name wrong, they're going to be more inclined to take a picture and, like, make it into a whole rant or, you know, share it on social in some capacity. So anyways, their cups alone have so much brand value that they've started selling reusable cups and like even doing the red cup holiday campaign that they do. So their product here is the like craft drinks, right? They also have food um, and other kinds of packaged goods, coffee beans, etc. But they also realize that like their packaging, the cup in and of itself is a product as well. Going into the the second P, which is price, in 1990, Starbucks sold its coffee at 25% higher than its competitors. Only 3% of coffee brands in the U.S. offered premium pricing at the time. Ten years later, in the year 2000, 40% of coffee was sold at a premium price. And because of this increase in sales, this created the Starbucks effect, which is what the industry calls it. Essentially, it validated prestige pricing and gave the entire industry an economic boost. And moreover, this positioned the Starbucks brand to their target audience with higher purchasing power. 
who can afford to buy Starbucks for like regular consumption. Essentially, like that's their target. It's not just like middle-aged people with purchasing power. It's people who can afford to consume Starbucks on a regular basis, meaning like weekly, several times a week, you know, every day, making it part of like their routine, so to say. So that's price. The third P of Starbucks's marketing strategy is promotion. And when you compare Starbucks to brands like Apple and Nike, Starbucks has actually spent significantly less on its marketing and promotions. However, that doesn't mean like they don't know how to make an impact and they actually do prioritize more impact-driven marketing as well, kind of in line with Apple and Nike. So for instance, Starbucks particularly capitalized on the behavior that their customers take photos of their cup, which dominates social media, right? From Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, right? This then inspired Starbucks to launch those limited edition cups that we talked about earlier, like the Red Holiday Cups, um, in addition to also like limited edition flavor combinations, which funnily enough tend to be like quite colorful. Um, especially if you're getting something in like a clear cup or you're getting an ice drink, right? And all of these things, because they're limited edition, because they're seasonal, their customers look forward to it every year. This is very similar to like Trader Joe's strategy as well. Um, so it, it, it creates some sort of like element of delight, right? Furthermore, they also partner with a great number of like celebrity ambassadors, including Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, Rocky Lynch, Jamie Grace, and Dina Menzel, Michael Buble, and a bunch of others to communicate the brand message to the target customer segment. Essentially, these celebrities, celebrity ambassadors or celebrity collaborators are selected because their target audiences overlap. Like Taylor's target audience has always been the Starbucks girly. And the Starbucks girly is definitely a a Taylor Swift fan, right? Um, Same with Ariana Grande. I mean, she's literally, there's so many paparazzi photos of Ariana with Starbucks cups. So like, makes a ton of sense. Um, And moreover, the CEO, Howard Schultz, the guy we talked about earlier who bought Starbucks in 1987 from its co-founders, He's also written risen to celebrity status for his like active involvement in a variety of different social, economic, political issues. Um, and he now effectively serves as a brand ambassador for the company or like a face of the company. Very similar to um, Shochu of TikTok, Adam Sari of Instagram, that kind of vibe. And then the final P of Starbucks's marketing strategy is place. Starbucks focuses a lot of its marketing emphasis on location. And you'll usually find a Starbucks in a very like high visibility, high foot traffic area. Um, Moreover, remember how we discussed like Starbucks positioning itself as quote unquote, the third place between work and home, a place of comfort and solace, right? Well, they partnered up with other third places, bookstores, grocery stores, airports, hotels, college campuses, right? To increase distribution, which is really smart. These partnerships also build on their like stay as long as you like strategy, which creates a comfortable place for you to sit, read a book, enjoy your beverage, answer emails or texts. 
And Starbucks also extended into more like signature luxury experiences because they do have premium pricing, because they focus on a more elevated experience. They decided to create the Starbucks Reserve, which transport customers to a more sophisticated coffee experience featuring like unique menu items that feel a little bit more premium, a little bit more like homemade um, or craft, artisanal, um, and just a general like more luxurious atmosphere. I get why they did the Starbucks Reserve. My personal opinion, I still feel some like slight disconnect between the Starbucks Reserve and the Starbucks brand. Like I get it. They started out selling coffee beans. They're a coffee house. They have premium pricing. They're luxury. Like I I get it. Something about it still feels like disconnected to me. I don't know. Anyways, that's my own personal thought. And then continuing to highlight the concept of place and the, the, the place part of their marketing strategy. They did a really great campaign in 2014 called the Meet Me at Starbucks campaign. And this was actually Starbucks's first ever brand campaign. Um, They wanted to show all the good things that happen when people get together at a Starbucks. And they did so by capturing real Starbucks customer stories around the world, which was an opportunity to explore the truth of the Starbucks brand experience and to ultimately document it on a global scale. Um, This campaign, first of all, highly recommend to watch it. I will link it in the description of the episode. It's, It's very cute. It's very wholesome. And it clearly had an effect because the campaign generated 91 million social media impressions and connected the global Starbucks community, not just people, you know, within specific regions. And that essentially kind of extended into a more social media or digital focused um, campaign extension, which was centered around the insight that Starbucks is an excellent place for first dates and meetups with friends, lunches with strangers, networking connections, etc. Knowing this insight about themselves, knowing this brand insight, the company then expanded the Meet Me at Starbucks campaign into the social media contest, which is where they gave their customers the chance to win free coffee for a whole year in exchange for their how we met story. Basically sharing like, here's how we met at Starbucks, kind of like putting Starbucks as like the one who like the Cupid in some sense, where like they're the matchmaker, they're the reason why you had such a great meeting to get, right? Like that whole thing. Um, and they use the how we met hashtag to spread the word about the contest, let people read each other's engaging stories. Um, the campaign was introduced worldwide, by the way. So people got to read some of the more, some of the most like interesting meeting stories that happened at Starbucks from all over the world. And ultimately it created a really great opportunity for Starbucks to gather UGC and let their customers be the face of their brand, let their customers tell the Starbucks story as opposed to Starbucks being like this corporate entity telling you who it is and let its customers do it for them. Um, so essentially the takeaway here is, is like their coffee, Starbucks' marketing strategy is very carefully crafted in order to provide an experience that their customers would enjoy going to, spending money at, and ultimately coming back to. And that is a marketing strategy. 
It's all research back. It's taking into account human insights. It's taking into account consumer insights, brand insights, understanding how people feel about your brand positively and negatively. What are some opportunities that maybe you didn't ultimately think of where you could create some really great marketing or promotion around like the cup example, right? Pretty sure they didn't anticipate that their cup was going to become a status symbol. But like once it had great opportunity to continue creating an interesting experience for people to engage in by, you know, issuing limited edition cups or like specially designed cups or reusable cups. And like, there's so many different angles to come at it, whether it's from a sustainability angle, from a collectible angle, from like a community kind of cult like angle. Um, it's so it's not just like a campaign or, you know, a product extension. It's, it's, what is the point of this? Why are we doing it? What will it give us? How will it help us connect further with our consumers? How will it be recapitalized in the future? What is the ROI? Like all of these things are thought about when creating any type of marketing effort, any type of commercial, any type of pop-up, any type of even social media posts, it all has to connect to what is the overall marketing strategy. And so if I had to answer the question of like, what is often overlooked, it's the strategy. It's, I think we get, and I, I, I know it's, I, as an art director, I relate, like I, I get excited about the sexy stuff too. And like the, the big ideas and the really fun things. But at the end of the day, your client will ask you. So like, what is the why? How does this connect? What's our, what's, what does this give us? Right. And sometimes this may create an opportunity for you to actually create a marketing strategy for the client because they may not have that in place. Also, any brands listening, I mean, this is like, you need to be, ha you need to have a marketing strategy. If you're going to hire an agency to execute some sort of campaign, then they're going to ask you like, what's the point? What are we hoping to do with this? Um, what is your goal with this campaign? And sometimes clients will fall back on or brands will fall back on the agency to answer that question. But like not all agencies are equipped or have positioned themselves to answer that question. Some agencies come in and like direct a commercial, tell the story based on what your brand messaging and positioning and an ultimate strategy is. And some agencies are equipped to create that strategy for you. So I think that's all. It's also realizing that like you may be working with the wrong agency and setting expectations on them that like they have not positioned themselves to handle because that's not what they specialize in. But I, regardless, I hope this was an interesting way to kind of like illustrate how a marketing strategy does effectively work and, and ultimately um, how the creative deliverables fit into the more data-driven analytical research backside of marketing. If you're listening to this, it means you've reached the end. And I'm so grateful that you tuned in to another episode of Kindly Gifted. If you don't mind to give this show your honest rating and review, I'd greatly appreciate it. And click follow or subscribe to keep up with new episodes. If you want to chat about what you just heard in this episode, I'm all ears. You can find me on Instagram at Katarina Tarantiva or on TikTok with the same handle. And I'll link both of them in the show notes below. If you want to chat with me one-on-one -on -one, or maybe get some accessible resources on how it is that you can create invigorating marketing for your brand or develop your personal presence online as a person of influence, check out the, my stand store. I'll also link that in the show notes and there's more goodies coming your way. So don't forget to bookmark the link as well. Anyways. 
That's my spiel, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.